everyone, I'm Michelle Bunky. And I'm Jenny DiPietro. And we're second year medical students at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. And we'll be your hosts for today's Inmate Cast. Today, we'll be discussing the pathophysiology of hallucinations that occur during extreme endurance events and how to manage the athlete either on the trail or when they present to the emergency department. Before giving away too much, let's jump right into it. Woohoo! Let's do it. So, Jenny, I have an interesting case for you to crack. Let's hear it. Okay, let me set the stage for the listeners at home. It's 1.40 a.m. on a warm September night, and we're crewing at the Tahoe 200-mile endurance run. Wow, would love if this was actually happening right now. A girl can dream, okay? So we're at the 165-mile aid station, and the first runner appears. She's a 36-year-old female, and she reports that she has been seeing strange things happening throughout the night, including live puppets playing on a swing set on the side of the trail, She also says trees and rocks have turned into faces. Okay, I think I know who this is. Is this Courtney DeWalter? Yep, you guessed it. So for the listeners out there not as obsessed with ultra running as Jenny and I are, Courtney DeWalter is a professional ultra runner known for tackling and winning some of the longest races out there. We're talking 200 plus mile races. During these races, she often reports experiencing vivid hallucinations. For Courtney, the hallucinations usually come at night when her mind is exhausted. She says she's seen, quote, a leopard in a hammock, a cello player, a colonial woman, a 12-foot-tall cowboy swinging a rope over his head, a lot of cats covering the path, an ice castle, and a farmer standing along the trail, end quote, to name a few. These visual hallucinations, though bizarre, are common among ultra runners. According to a study of ultra runners in a 135-mile race in Death Valley, over a third of participants experienced hallucinations during the second night of the race. Given how common hallucinations are during these ultra running races, it appears that extreme endurance events create the perfect storm to bring about crazy hallucinations. But what exactly is happening in the brain and body during prolonged endurance events that provoke these hallucinations? Before we get into neurophysiology, let's start with the definition of a hallucination. A hallucination is a sensory perception, so visual, tactile, auditory, gustatory, or olfactory, that has the compelling sense of reality of a true perception without external stimulation of the relevant sensory organ and is experienced as a sensation through that organ. So basically, seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, or tasting something that isn't actually there. Hallucinations are also distinct from visual distortions, for example, a room looking wider than it is, and visual illusions, for example, an object transforming into another known object. There are many causes of hallucinations, including acute intoxications of various drugs, brain changes in psychiatric disorders like schizophrenia, withdrawal from certain substances, infections, particularly of the brain, metabolic issues like hypoglycemia or electrolyte imbalances, seizures, neurodegenerative disorders, and the list goes on. Researchers also cite sleep, food, or sensory deprivation as causes for hallucinations, along with fatigue, extreme stress, and extreme heat. We know that experiencing hallucinations during extreme endurance events is very common, as Michelle said, which makes sense considering what these events demand of the body. 
Italian researchers who specifically studied hallucinations in high-altitude trail runners competing in endurance races hypothesized that hallucinations could be due to sleep deprivation, strenuous exercise, excessive use of psychostimulants like caffeine during the race, altitude changes, or stress related to performance, all of which sound fairly plausible to me. Definitely plausible, and I've certainly experienced some of the above in my own races. Same here. A study looking at athletes competing in the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc in 2015 found that approximately half of competitors experienced visual hallucinations. And when they compared racers who took naps against those who did not sleep at all, they found that 84% of those who did not sleep had visual hallucinations, compared to only 26% in those who got some sleep. Oh, wow. So the runners who didn't sleep were much more likely to have hallucinations. Exactly. So it seems like sleep deprivation is the driving force behind visual hallucinations in ultra runners competing in extreme endurance events. In the literature, sleep loss is tightly linked with hallucinations. So why does sleep deprivation actually cause athletes to hallucinate? We know that of the sensory organs, the visual modality is most affected by sleep loss. We start to see perceptual changes in people after about 24 hours of sleep deprivation, and hallucinations are reliably elicited after 48 hours without sleep. These vision changes evolve over time, from blurred vision, to distortions, to illusions, finally to hallucinations. Simple hallucinations occur after 30 to 48 hours without sleep, and complex hallucinations typically occur after 50 hours of sleep deprivation. After three days without sleeping, there is a market observed decline in mental health, which includes hallucinations, delusions, disorganization, aggression, and serious changes in mood. Essentially, this is a pipeline to acute psychosis. In terms of resolution of these visual disturbances, including hallucinations, most participants required sleeping for about 50% of the time that they had been awake to return to a normal state. For example, for someone who had not slept for about 36 hours, they might need 18 hours of sleep to compensate. So what exactly is happening to the brain in sleep-deprived states to cause us to hallucinate? Imaging studies have indeed shown that the visual sensory and visual attention areas of the brain are the first to be affected by sleep deprivation. We see decreased medial frontal cortex function and thalamic activation, leading to mental lapses and reductions in alertness, which in turn focus the brain inward, changing the signal-to-noise ratio and error monitoring and detection systems. These changes are pro-hallucinogenic. Neuronal instability and changes in neurotransmission are also significant culprits in sleep deprivation hallucinations. Acetylcholine plays a big role in the visual sensory modality, and cholinergic depletion has been observed during sleep deprivation. Dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin could also play roles in sleep deprivation hallucinations, as they are closely tied to acetylcholine function and sleep-wake processes. A final theory for the mechanism behind sleep deprivation hallucinations is chromatolysis. Chromatolysis is an intracellular degenerational process caused by stress and fatigue. It is one of the three known mechanisms for cell death and specifically refers to the dissolution of nissel bodies, which as a quick refresher, are clumps of rough endoplasmic reticulum in neurons. Neurons responsible for sensory perception are especially vulnerable to stress and ischemic events in the range of 24 to 72 hours caused cell changes in animal models. In humans, we see pellagra as corroborating evidence of the chromatolysis theory. Pellagra occurs in the setting of niacin deficiency, which causes central chromatolysis and leads to dermatitis, diarrhea, and dementia, with mental health symptoms that can be often mistaken for schizophrenia. This causation pathway also goes the other way. Sleep deprivation in animals can cause skin lesions like the dermatitis and pellagra. 
Overall, there is still lots of need for research in this area, as it is uniquely situated at the intersection of sleep medicine, sports medicine, and psychiatry. However, there are a few things we know. First, endurance athletes who are sleep-deprived frequently experience visual hallucinations. Second, visual hallucinations and sleep deprivation are closely connected. And lastly, there are several theories involving brain structures, neurotransmitters, and cell death as to why sleep deprivation causes hallucinations. Okay, so now that we have some ideas as to why hallucinations occur during endurance events, let's talk a little about the differential diagnosis for a patient with hallucinations who might present to the emergency department. Okay, so here's a case for you, Michelle. Let's say someone is out trying to break the record for the unsupported fastest known time of the Oregon section of the PCT. She stumbles into the Mount Hood Emergency Department, disheveled and rambling about all these crazy things she's been seeing throughout the night. You're an attending working the night shift. What do you do? So the differential for a patient presenting to the emergency department complaining of visual hallucinations is pretty broad and includes ocular pathologies, migraines, seizures, neurodegenerative diseases, drug use or withdrawal, psychiatric illness, narcolepsy, and downright delirium. First step in narrowing the differential is to determine whether the hallucinations are simple or complex. Simple hallucinations include light, colors, lines, shapes, or geometric designs, whereas complex hallucinations include images of people, animals, objects, or a lifelike scene. Simple hallucinations involving only one eye may be indicative of an ocular pathology. According to a survey study in 2011, vision problems developed in 2.1% of 100-mile finishers, and 3.6% of non-finishers. In fact, Courtney DeWalter experienced corneal edema while competing in the Run Rabbit Run 100-mile race in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and had near-complete visual field loss. She even had to have her husband step in and verbally guide her to the finish. Wow, she still finished the race even though she could barely see? Not only did she finish the race, she still won. She's a legend. I know, right? Anyways, back to the emergency room. Besides ocular pathology, simple hallucinations are also seen in seizures and migraines. If the the hallucination lasts less than five minutes, it's more likely a seizure, and I'd want to get an EEG. If it's been going on for around an hour, that might indicate that hallucinations are a migraine symptom, and I'd want to start abortive therapy with oral tryptans and NSAIDs. Okay, so we've talked about the differential for simple hallucinations, but let's see, say the hallucinations the patient is reporting are complex. Now what's your differential? Well, complex hallucinations are seen in metabolic disturbances, drug intoxication, alcohol withdrawal, psychiatric disease, and as we discussed earlier, sleep deprivation. If the patient was having complex hallucinations, I would want to perform a neurological exam to assess for any evidence of delirium. The Confusion Assessment Method, or CAM for short, has become a standard screening device in clinical studies of delirium conducted across multiple settings, including emergency departments. It takes five minutes to administer and may be particularly helpful when incorporated into the routine bedside assessment. If delirium is present, I would want to get some labs to determine the cause of delirium. Serum electrolytes, creatinine, glucose, calcium, complete blood count, and urinalysis and urine culture are reasonable for most patients when a cause is not immediately obvious. 
I would also want to get a blood gas to determine if there's any metabolic cause of delirium. Lastly, I would want to do a toxic screen of the urine. If all testing in labs were grossly normal, I would feel more comfortable concluding that the hallucinations and delirium the patient is experiencing is likely induced by sleep deprivation and not indicative of any other underlying pathology. In that case, the treatment is fairly simple, sleep. However, if the psychosis is severe or persistent, I could consider prescribing a second-generation antipsychotic, which is considered the first-line treatment in most cases of psychosis. Aripiprazole or risperidone are two popular choices due to their relatively favorable side effect profiles. So now that we've talked about why hallucinations happen during endurance races and the differential diagnosis of hallucinations, let's talk a little bit about how we can prevent hallucinating in the first place. Let's say I'm planning on running a 100-mile race. What should I do to avoid hallucinating, especially during the night? Well, first thing to do is to make sure you're getting adequate nutrition. Relative to other organs in the body, the brain requires the most oxygen and glucose to function properly. Depriving your brain of these resources may provoke hallucinations. Secondly, sleep when you can. As you discussed, Jenny, sleep deprivation is tightly associated with hallucinations, but as little as 20 minutes of snoozing at an aid station could help ward off hallucinations. Lastly, consider using a pacer, which can help you stay alert and grounded in reality. Okay, those seem like pretty reasonable suggestions. All right, Jenny, want to recap what we've learned today for our listeners? Absolutely. The major takeaways from today's episode are that visual hallucinations occur commonly during endurance events, likely due to the effects of sleep deprivation. If a patient shows up to the emergency department complaining of visual hallucinations, start with a broad differential and narrow it down by classifying the hallucinations as simple versus complex and assessing for delirium using the CAM. Lastly, hallucinations can be prevented by taking mid-race snoozes, adequate hydration and nutrition, and using a pacer, all of which are good ideas if you're doing any ultra-endurance race anyways. Wow, all this talk of ultra-running is getting me psyched to go out and race. And hopefully it may have sparked your interest into the world of ultra-endurance events too. Check out the show notes for links to some of the studies we referenced during the podcast. And that's it for today's episode of the e Thanks for listening.